Hi, and welcome to the Prelude Podcast, where we talk about all things weddings and help you get down the aisle. I'm Megan, the host of the Prelude Podcast. I'm the founder and lead planner of Events by Eva in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And today we're going to talk about what to do when you get engaged. So it's February 2023 right now. And we are kind of nearing the tail end of the engagement season and start of the spring wedding season for the year. And lately I've been reflecting a lot on what couples are going through during this time. And while getting engaged can be very exciting, it is probably one of the most exciting periods of your life. There is a lot that comes with it, I think, in terms of family dynamics, you know, society expectations. And I think it can very quickly become a very overwhelming period in life if you're not intentional about it. And even if you are intentional about it, you are going to be experiencing third-party opinions that may be coming from family members, co-workers, close friends. And at the end of the day, you will have to make the decision to do what is best for you and your family unit that you are starting, or you will have to make the decision to choose to please others, which may not be the best decision for you. During your engagement season, you may be transitioning new jobs, graduating grad school, moving across the country. There's a lot of other life changes that are very time-consuming and mentally consuming that often do happen during the engagement period as well. So with all of this in mind, we're going to talk about a few steps that you can take once you first get engaged to hopefully help you structure your wedding planning into different phases so that you don't have to feel like you have to do everything all at once. So let's say you just got engaged. What are you going to do first? And I'm going to say the first step is to soak it all in and take that moment to yourself and your fiance. It doesn't mean that the second you got engaged, you have to post it on social media. I think take a moment. If it involves you and your family and your closest friends as well, great. Take a moment to enjoy that you just got engaged and celebrate that a little. It doesn't need to be extravagant. It could just be the two of you spending time being excited about it. And the reason I suggest doing this is the second you start telling everyone you're engaged, that is when all the opinions and suggestions start flowing in. And chances are you already kind of have an idea of what you want for your wedding, for your honeymoon, all those sorts of things. And when you can start off your engagement having a little bit of time, even if it's just a day or two, just to soak it all in on your own. I think it's going to help you be a little bit more clear-headed as you start your process of wedding planning. Because a lot of times when you first get engaged, immediately the question turns into, what's the date? Where's the wedding going to be? And you don't have to have all that figured out right then and there the second that you got engaged. So once you've taken a moment to soak it all in, enjoy the fact that you just got engaged, 
Now it's time to start planning your wedding. And so we have six steps that we like to focus on from start to finish to help you plan the phases of your wedding planning. And so that first step is to put your guest list pen to paper. Yes, before you book your venue, before you book any other vendors, put your guest list pen to paper. And the reason that you want to do that is because you want to look at your overall guest list, see about how many guests that really is, and then kind of assume that somewhere around 20 to 30% of your guests are likely to RSVP no. And that's how you can kind of find your expected guest count. But if you do not have your guest list or your expected guest count pretty much set when you start touring venues, you're going to have a really hard time making a decision on whether that venue is large enough for the capacity that you need or if it's going to be way too large for the wedding that you're thinking and it might feel empty and like the space isn't being utilized. The other reason it's super important to put your guest list pen to paper is because it is really difficult to get a good, accurate estimate on variable quotes for vendors like florists, your caterer. Your guest count is going to affect how many flower arrangements you need. It's going to affect what the cost is for your caterer as well. And so once you have your guest list and expected guest count, the next step is going to be to set your budget. And so a lot of times when we get inquiries, a couple or a bride will throw out what their wedding budget is. And sometimes that is a firm budget that we can not go over. It needs to stay at that budget. And sometimes it's just a number that's thrown out there without having an understanding of the market averages in the market that you're getting married in. So when I do a consultation, I do like to give couples an idea of what the costs are looking like at that given time that they're inquiring. Because those costs can change as well during the time of the engagement planning um, or wedding planning. But it's important to have an idea of what the market averages for vendors in your area are before you make any decisions on what kind of venue you're going to book and what vendors you're going to book as well. So what I would suggest is to reach out to vendors that you've come across, let them know you're in the early stages and that you're trying to get an idea of what the market averages are in your area. And maybe a good place to start with this might be sending an inquiry to a wedding planner because a lot of wedding planners do offer free consultations and might be happy to share all of this information for you so that you can get an idea of what your realistic budget might be for what you are wanting. And so once you've done your research and gathered your market averages for the area, we're going to move on to step three. And that is to prioritize the three aspects of your wedding that are the most important to you. So once you and your fiance have chosen the three areas that are the most important to you, those are going to be the areas that you're going to want to allocate your investment of your budget into and prioritize. 
So, for example, if food is not what's most important to you, then you don't need to book the most expensive caterer in town. And now, step four, we're officially getting to start planning and booking. And now it is time to book your venue. You should have an idea of what your guest count looks like. At this point, you should also have an idea of what your budget is looking like and how much you have to allocate of your budget to a venue. So now's the time to start touring venues and ask all those frequently asked questions. And we do have a YouTube video on our YouTube channel that talks about questions that we would recommend asking as you're going about touring venues. And then so once you find a venue that suits your budget and suits your desired aesthetic, it's now time to move on to step five and officially book your necessity vendors. Now, if you've booked an all-inclusive wedding venue, this process might be a little bit different than if you've booked a venue where you are required to book all of your vendors for the day. And so we're going to take this approach as if you are booking vendors and booked a venue where you have to book all vendors and outsource all vendors for. So while decor and flowers might be on your priority list, and while it might be one of the most fun parts of planning a wedding, in my personal opinion, you will need to book your necessity vendors first because they oftentimes tend to be a larger chunk of that budget and we know that we're going to have to have them regardless. So let's say the example we gave earlier was catering may not be your top priority. We're still going to book that first after we book the venue because it may be a larger chunk of the budget. Now, that doesn't mean we have to book that most expensive caterer in town. We can still book a maybe less expensive caterer within our budget, but we're gonna book that first so that we have a realistic idea of what is left over after we book our necessity vendors in our budget. So who might those necessity vendors be? And this might be a little controversial, but I'm going to say that your necessity vendors would be your caterer, your bartenders, an alcohol provider, which could be you if you are serving alcohol at your wedding. And then I'm also going to put some form of entertainment in this category, whether that's a DJ or whether that's a band, some sort of music aspect, because that's going to be needed for the ceremony. And it's also going to be needed for the reception. Sometimes I think a DJ is an area that tries to be DIY and there is a lot of sound equipment and moving pieces that go into the entertainment aspect of a wedding that also go hand in hand with moving the event along from an MC perspective. So I do think that that is really important and a necessity to have. I would also say your planner or dev coordinator would go in this category if you are hiring a wedding planner. You may want to do that before you hire your caterer so that they can be involved along that full process. Or if you are hiring a coordinator or month of planner, then I would also put that in this category too, just because they also might have recommendations for you that they can send of vendors that they've worked with in the past. A few other vendors for the necessity vendors would include your photographer, your videographer, and your hair and makeup artists if you are choosing to have those. 
Your officiant can go into this necessity category as well, but a lot of weddings do have a personal contact that they do want to fulfill this role. Now, once you have all of your necessity vendors booked, it's time to review your budget, see what we have left over, and start moving on to the wedding design phase and our final phase in the wedding planning before you get into the coordination phase, which is really gonna be part of what your wedding planner helps you with and guides you throughout. So once you know what you have to work with for your wedding design and florals, now's the time to start putting together a mood board if you don't have a wedding planner that's doing this for you. Your mood board, I think, should include a direction for personal flowers. That's where all of the rest of the flower arrangements will stem from, but the personal flowers, meaning your bouquet, bridesmaids bouquets, any boutonnieres, kind of set the tone and style for the rest of the floral arrangements. So you'll want to do a mood board for personal flowers. You'll want to do a mood board for your ceremony flowers, your reception flowers. And then you'll also want to put together a color scheme. A lot of the examples of what you're going to find are not going to 100% fit your color scheme for your wedding. So you'll want to include aspects of shapes that you like and then include, you know, an example that might be for color or, or sizing or something along those lines. In your mood board, you will also want to include an example of linens, dishware, miscellaneous decor like candles, table number signs. You could do a whole board just on signage. But having your ideas flushed out in some way, whether you're doing it or your planner is doing it, to be able to send to a decor company or to be able to send to a florist is going to help them better serve you with their proposal in terms of meeting the expectations that you would want. So once you've booked everything you need vendor-wise for your design and decor, it's now time to get into the coordination process in the last two months or so before your wedding. And this is something you're gonna do alongside with your wedding planner, a wedding coordinator. They're probably going to do a lot of this as well depending on what kind of package you hired them to do. And somewhere throughout this process, you're also, of course, going to want to do the tasks like sending out your save the dates. Those are usually sent out somewhere around six to nine months before the wedding, depending on if it's a destination wedding or not. And then you'll also want to send out your invitations somewhere along this planning process. That's usually somewhere around two to three months, sometimes four months before the wedding. And while there are so many more details that happen in between all these six steps, I hope this gave you an overarching idea of how to allocate your time and planning your wedding by using these six phases. And to summarize, while it's a really exciting time that can also be a very busy and hectic time, I hope that you'll find these six phases or six steps helpful in order to stay focused on planning your wedding without getting too overwhelmed. Really, my advice would be to focus on the task at hand versus focusing on the overarching all the many things you need to do. Because if you can break it down by step, and know that it's okay that you don't have X done while Z is getting done. That's really out of order. You get the idea. It's really going to help you have a peace of mind and enjoy the planning process much more. So in our first episode, we spoke about how we can sometimes get really caught up in the material aspect of the wedding planning and not focus as much on 
what it really means to be getting married and what is really the most important. And it's the fact that you're getting married, your relationship, and what happens after you walk down the aisle. And that we were going to touch on two kind of interview job-like questions in each episode. And I'm going to touch on these very quickly for today because I did just answer them in the first episode. But those two questions are, what does success look like to you both personally and professionally? And what are your weaknesses and how would you rate how you're doing with them right now? And if you'd like more context on why we're doing this, I would definitely recommend listening to our first episode if you haven't already. But for me, I had mentioned that success looks, uh, what success looks like to me, both personally and professionally, means having a well-balanced life. And I have recently been doing a bit better on this, but I think in the last week I have not been doing as well. I have really wanted things to get done, which ties into my weakness and answers question two. I really don't like things piling up. And sometimes it interferes with my work-life balance. And I'm not doing as well with this because I think that right now I'm taking a lot of things in my work life personally and not doing as good a job of separating my work life and my professional life. And I think it's kind of a challenge when you own your own business A lot of times there are blurred lines between your personal and professional life. Obviously, your business is a reflection of you. And so it's really hard to kind of shut off that part of your life, your work life, and not let little things get to you. And I think something I do a lot of the time is I know that the engagement season and wedding planning process is just one aspect of what's going on in a couple's life. But there is so much else going on in their lives, like I mentioned earlier in this episode. And sometimes that can make the wedding planning process more stressful. And sometimes it's hard to separate the fact that I cannot change and I cannot fix what is happening in a couple's lives and the many things going on during this time period for them other than the wedding. But I want to because that would also make my life more easy and their life more easy. But that's where I have to kind of separate and do the best that I can do in my job, but also know that I'm a person who has a life and has a family and has to prioritize my life as well. So to conclude, besides the six steps or six phases that are helpful when you're planning your wedding, after you recently just got engaged. I hope that you can take this perspective here and reflection that we've done here at the end of the episode from my experience and also remember that your life and your family is of utmost importance. Even while you are planning this wedding, there might be really hard family dynamics, but remember to prioritize the reason that you are getting married, the reason is not just because of the wedding and the material aspect that comes with the wedding, but make the time throughout your engagement season to focus on time where you are not talking about the wedding, where you are having that separation the same way that I was just speaking about having separation from my job and my business and my personal life, because learning those habits now will really help you go a long way as you 
continue and start this new phase of your relationship and marriage. Thanks so much for tuning in and we look forward to chatting with you in our next episode very soon.